listening to another hope-filled message from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. We are starting our Elephant in the Room series off with this whole topic around identity. And I want to encourage you, on your seat, you would have had a little uh, card there. And you can actually write some questions for the next few weeks coming up that you may like to have answered. And uh, you can do that on the bit of paper and put it in the drop box, Or you can actually jump on our Life app. And uh, you'll be able to put your questions in there as well, which would be cool. But we're going to get kicking on this whole idea around identity. But keen to meet you guys first. Obviously, I know you, but some people out here may not know you. So it'd be cool to just go down and say hi, where you're from, what your favourite thing to do in, in life is. And uh, yeah, that'd be great. Starting down the end. So I'm Tiff. Hi, Tiff. Um, hi, guys. Um, my favourite thing to do is hang out with my husband, believe. <laughs> That's a lie. Um, it's probably... <laughs> I'd probably say eating food and playing netball, really. But, and hanging out with you is second to that. <laughs> Thanks, Tiff. Hi, everyone. I'm Joe. I'm married to my beautiful wife, Jacinta. Um, and we have our one-year-old son. And what I love to do, um, just hang out with people, chill, relax, eat food. It's the most important part. <laughs> So there's free food after this. So just, yeah. Awesome. Um, my name's Danny. I'm married to, to Talia. And uh, we've been married three years now, which is pretty cool. Um, and been coming to life for about six or seven years now, um, which has been amazing as well. And then what I love to do, um, I love to ride motorbikes, get out in the bush, do a bit of stuff like that. Anything like that's just crazy. That's my thing. So not as crazy as my brother, but... Always trying to admire and look up to him, even though he's younger than me. I'll get there one day. That was a nice little plug, considering he's here tonight, Danny. Yeah, he had to put it in there. I love it. Um, well, my husband and I, we are the campus pastors here, and uh, we have been for the past, uh, coming up six years now, which is amazing. And we've been in ministry now for over 18 years. Um, we looked after one of our campuses in New Zealand and a bunch of other stuff before moving here. And we just, I honestly, I love every part of what we get to do um, in life. I, I honestly, genuinely do. I love being a mum. I love being a wife. And then I love my alone time as well that I get in, in those spaces. Um, I love reading. I'm a, I love my reading. Just that time of night where you go to bed, you have your book, that space. Oh, it's a beautiful space. So I love that. But it's, uh, yeah, I love my life. <laughs> That's a good thing. Uh, my name's Will, and my wife and I are here. My wife's name is Hannah, and we're the youth pastors. Shout out to Epic, Epic crew. Uh, and yeah, we've been doing that for about five years now as well, and just absolutely love doing it. But what I love to do, watch sport, and then watch some more sport, and then watch some more sport. And then go play some sport. It'll be good. Uh, so that's good fun. That's me in a nutshell. But um, we're going to get started. And, and I think I'm going to throw the hardest question of tonight straight to Danny. Because uh, Danny is, as you know, he's like our professor around here. And, uh, <laughs> and Danny, I, I honestly struggle to answer this question a lot of the time. And it's this idea of how do you define identity? Because there's so many different like, channels you can go down when it comes to identity. But how, how would you define it? Cool. Well, Professor, I don't, I don't think I even know how to spell that, but, um, <laughs> but identity, I can tell you what that is. Um, I'll give it a crack anyway. Um, but uh, I think identity is actually probably one of the most important um, things that we can discover as people here on earth. Um, and I think like identity is who we are. And we're all, we're all on a journey really to discover who we are. 
um, especially in our day and age that we live in, in our culture, in our society, uh, which is so individualistic, it's, uh, we're, we're constantly told to find out who you are and chase your dreams and find your purpose and, and do what makes you feel good. And I think there's good things to that and then there's also negative things to that. And I think that's why it's so important that as Christians that we uh, actually go to God with this question and go to God with this reality of, of our identity and find out who we are. Um, because I think like uh, for a lot of us, like we can, our identity is made up of so many different things. I mean, we've got our work life, our family life, our culture, our upbringing. Uh, maybe sports has played a massive role in your identity. Like all these things add to our identity. But I love, um, I love the Bible and I love Jesus. And uh, I think it's Matthew 7. He talks about that there's two types of people. There's a person who builds his life uh, upon the sand and it looks good and and it looks great and life's going well. But as soon as the wind, waves and storms of life come, that his house that is built on the sand or his life that's built on the sand comes crashing down. And then there's another type of person who builds their life upon God. And Jesus likens it to a person that builds his life, his house upon a rock on solid foundations. And so when the winds, the waves, the storms of life come, the, the house doesn't get blown down because it's built on a strong foundation. So I think in identity, it's great to have a whole lot of different things that make up who we are, but we really as Christians need to know that our foundations need to be really strongly and deeply rooted in who Jesus is. Um, if I can go for another minute, I love the Apostle Paul too. And uh, if you read the New Testament, he'll constantly use this term saying, uh, saying in Christ. I think it's over like 70 or 80 times he just constantly uses this term in Christ, in Christ. I'm found in Christ. We're found in Christ. And there's this whole reality that, you know, the Apostle Paul was once the murderer of Christians and like wanted to destroy the church. He finds Jesus and then he goes into this reality where he just knows who he is in God so much that he's like, yo, I'm not even who I used to be anymore. I'm a totally brand new person. My whole life, my whole foundations, my whole person, my whole being is now found in Christ. And I think for us as Christians, like, we're on a journey, and we haven't made it, but we're on a journey to discovering what that means. And I think, like, as long as every day we're walking with Jesus, every day we're getting to know who we are more and more. Every day we're going to get to that reality deeper and deeper, going, hey, my life is found in Christ. So, so good. And I think it's probably one of today's greatest uh, questions in this generation, who am I? And there, in the world that we live in today, there's so much fluidity around it, you know, Truth is, is skewed, like I don't know my gender, there's fluidity around my gender now, you know, there's, there's all that that comes up and there's a sense of trying to find myself and, and trying to find myself, I find my happiness and my fulfilment, but the Bible never teaches that, he, it says that we are made in the image of Christ, so we find ourselves through finding Him. And I think you're, whenever we try and find ourselves, you just chase yourself, you know, like, it's like chasing a dog chasing its tail. It's just going round and round in circles. We're never going to get anywhere with it. We find ourselves in Him. It's like um, when God appeared before Moses and said, this is my, what I want you to do, set my people free. And Moses said, who am I to do that? And God's reply to him is, it's not about who you are, it's about who I am. And I think that's a massive thing we've got to get our head around. It's not about who you are. It's not about who you think you are. It's not about who you feel you are. It's not about what other people have said about you. It's not about what your parents have said about you. You may feel like the biggest mistake. None of that matters. It's actually who God says you are. Because that's first and foremost where our identity and our sense of worth comes from. And, and honestly, it flips me out sometimes. You know, we've got... 
you see science, DNA. Obviously, our mum and dad, they had a great night together. We were conceived. That's how we came about. Next week, Pastor Nadia. (laughs) Next week. (laughs) Next week. Be here next week. And I'm not going to go into too much because my son, my 10-year-old son's in the front row. But, you know, we had that that moment and we were conceived. And we can think, well, that's, you know, that there's purpose in that. But then there's a God who breathed his spirit into us. He, he ultimately is the one that gives us life and purpose and value. So we find who we are. So the question actually isn't, who are you? The question is, who is your God? Now, your God is kind, so I'm kind. Your God is love, so I'm love. You know, your God is grace, so I'm grace. And your God doesn't react in anger, so I don't react in anger. Come on, all those massive questions, it's got to come back to who our God is and finding ourselves in Him. So even purpose, yeah, sorry, even purpose. Like, you know, we can think that, you know, I find myself through finding my giftings and all of that's fantastic. But we ultimately find our purpose through seeking Him because He put the purpose in our lives and the gift in our life and the first place. So seek Him, find out what He's called you to do and be obedient to it. And there's such simplicity in that. It's not about finding success, wealth, all of that status. That doesn't mean nothing. It's about being obedient to what He's got in your world. So, Amazing. Amazing. So good. And, you know, like you guys talk about this idea of like um, finding identity in Christ is essentially what you're saying. And I don't know about you, but I live in a world that doesn't do that. Uh, all the time, <laughs> and uh, so Tiff, you work in a, like a corporate environment as a lawyer, and uh, probably faced with this idea of chasing, uh, you know, like a, a job or chasing money and all that kind of stuff. So, how, how do you, uh, how would you say is the best way or a way that you found to put your identity in Christ, to find it in Christ, when the world is like, no, you got to find it in money, you got to find it in a, 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 you know, a husband, or you got to find it in this or that. How, how do you navigate that? Yeah, it's a good question. <laughs> Um, I think it comes back, it sounds really simple, but like if you want to be in step with Jesus, you've got to be out of step with the world. And I think you've got to be comfortable with standing out and being a bit different at times. And as I grew up, actually, my pop used to say, you know, if you're going to make a change for Jesus and and change this generation, you kind of have to be a bit of a loner in life sometimes. And you've got to Um, realise that you're going to go against the grain sometimes. When everyone's swimming downstream, you're going to swim upstream and you've got to be okay with that and secure in your identity and knowing that, well, this is what Christ has called me to and and I'm I'm found in him, not in what the world perceives as, um, you know, success or value. Or um, It's funny, even in my job, like, yes, I'm a lawyer now working in a corporate world, but I never sought that out. Like, I've always sought Jesus first and... And I, I was saying this morning, I interpret, you know, legislation and case law and I love reading, but the thing I love reading most is the Word of God and it's the best thing you can learn to interpret and apply to your life. And, um, yeah, that's sort of how I do it. And I also would add that um, the Bible says that the, the world judges on outward appearance, but God actually looks to the inward appearance and what, what your heart and what your character is shaped to be like and... Um, again, I bring it back to the Word, just spending time with, with Jesus and learning about His character and who He is and saying, Lord, I want to follow Your example. I want to be like Christ. I'm going to pick up my cross and I'm going to follow after You regardless of the cost. Yeah. Awesome, Tiff. That's so cool. And, uh, Big Joe, my man. If you guys don't know Big Joe, man, him and his family are amazing, but yeah. you would never know the, the story that's come behind Joe's life unless you hear it and um, you know I, I talked to Joe before and I said oh, can I ask you to share a little bit about that 
Uh, and I'd love you to share, man, and just share a little bit about your story and what happened to you. And then also, in the midst of that tragedy, how you find a healthy identity in that. That's cool. Um, so, yeah, so just a bit of a background is, um, so I'm originally from Motara in South Auckland. So just a bit of background, or South Auckland, it's um, a low socioeconomic area. Um, but great people come out of it. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> and, um, but so at a young age, um, I went through some stuff. And so I had a, um, a neighbor that I looked up to. We did a lot of things um, in the streets and stuff like that. But I was also um, sexually abused from this guy as well, too. And so um, I hid all that stuff growing up because uh, I was ashamed by it. And so from the age of 15, um, I lost both of my parents to murder-suicide. Um, so my dad killed mum and then killed himself. And so, um, you know, along that, you sort of lose yourself. Um, and so uh, there was a lot of crying, a lot of, um, you know, like, what's my purpose in life for? Um, and so, you know, I, I'm from that. I also grew a lot of anger, a lot of insecurity, a lot of jealousy, went through different relationships, um, just and I was just going to different things um, to find because I was empty and I was going to different things just to try and fill that void. But it wasn't until um, I allowed God into my life and I was able to, um, you know, I think it was the the whole thing around having a relationship with somebody um, that a person that loves me um, that was able to fulfill these things that I was searching for. And so I remember sort of just crying out to God and say, God, if, if this is you, if you're real, then, man, I will do anything. And so along the way, God just, you know, in his way, in his grace, and his mercy, he was able to um, take me along the journey on through my anger. I was able to bring love, wow. you know, through my insecurity. I was able to bring security in him. That's where I found my security. And so um, even with my marriage as well, too, um, it's learning um, God's love through myself God loving me, but also to learn how to love my wife and all that. And so, because, um, yeah, because you want the best, yeah? And that's what God is. And so, um, looking back and all that stuff, um, some of the things that I was just remind myself is um, that um, I'm not defined by the tragedy and that my identity rests in God. And so, one of the verses I always look to is Genesis 50 verse 20 is what was meant for evil God turned it for good. That's awesome, man. That's, thanks for sharing, man. That's so cool. And no doubt, you know, it's not all fixed. <laughs> no doubt every day you still have to find your identity in God again and position yourself in a good place to continue to move forward. And, man, it's such a great, uh, such a great testimony of God's love. And, and, and God being a dad in the midst of not having the dad on earth. Uh, man, that's so cool. Danny, how do I, this is a great question here, how do I deal with doubts about God and my faith in a way that is healthy and leads to greater confidence in God, not confusion? Great, great question. <laughs> uh, there's the professor speaking. Um, well, like, I think um, doubt sometimes itself, like, is a bit of a taboo word in church at times, like, we kind of think that we are, oh, that we're supposed to put on this front um, and not be real with where we're at. So even in my journey, like, I've struggled with doubt plenty of times. And I even remember, like, 
I think I was 17 when I came to give my life to Jesus and then I'd seen so many miracles and then it was about 1920 and I found myself just doubting, is God even real? And I'm like, no, no, but I've seen this and then I've seen that and I, like I've seen people healed miraculously um, in that time frame. So I think like the idea that we never struggle with doubt is a bit of a, is a, bit of a lie. Um, but the reality is, is that God wants us to be real with where we're at. So he doesn't want us to hype our faith up to this place where yeah. we're being fake about where we're at and we're kind of just in denial that there's doubt going on on the inside of our heart yeah. um, and that we're just declaring. As I'm into declaring stuff and I'm into speaking out the truth over what we're feeling. But I think there's a reality where God wants us to be transparent to him with where we're at. So I love um, in the Bible, there's uh, even if you look at the disciples, like you've got 12 guys who just on a word of Jesus saying, follow me, start following him. Um, and they're all, well, a bunch of them are from ba- rough backgrounds. Others aren't. Um, you've got gangsters, uh, tax collectors. You've got all these guys. And, um, and you've got like Peter, like seeing Jesus miracle after miracle, and he's on the boat. And Jesus is walking on water at this point. Jesus calls him out um, onto water. He starts walking. In the midst of a miracle, he doubts and starts sinking. Um, so it just says to me that we're, we all struggle with doubt. Yeah. But I love the story of um, a guy who his son's demon-possessed and he wants to see a miracle and he, he runs to Jesus and Jesus has this conversation with him. And within this conversation, the guy turns around and, and, and says to Jesus, Hey, Lord, I believe. He makes this statement, Hey, I believe, but I need you to help me wow. in my unbelief. Wow. And I see that the unlocking of being real with God, the unlocking of being a heart-to-heart connection with God where we yeah. reveal where we're actually at changes everything. Yeah. It allows God to bring the breakthrough. It allows God to bring the miracle because we're, we're bringing the real us. Like, we don't do church for the sake of church and we don't do religion for the sake of religion. We just don't do it. Like, yeah. God's into a real, life-changing, transparent relationship with us and Him. And so I think when it comes to doubt, like, that's the, that's the journey of the Christian faith, is that we're going to struggle with it along the way. But as long as we keep coming to Jesus, our journey should start looking like doubt is minimizing and faith is growing. So, yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Can I just get a, a little show of hands? Who uses social media, like Facebook, Instagram, any of those kind of platforms? Great. Fair to say this question will apply to us all then. Uh, Tiff, in a world where we can like, look on social media all the time and you look at your screen time on your phone and look at four hours in the last week and go, wow, I could have been doing so much better stuff with that. Um, how, do, how do we journey this whole idea of having a confident identity in God when we are constantly barraged by uh, comparison and looking at other people's lives? And let's be honest, it's an Instagram life, so it always looks good on Instagram. Uh, but then who knows, the reality may not be that. But that's what we're faced with when we look at it is this perfect world uh, that everyone portrays. How do we how do we deal with that and, and kind of uh, journey that whole comparison ideal? Um, well, firstly, I'll say I think social media is such a gift from God in so many ways, but it's such a tool of the enemy as well. And I'll get to that later, I think. But I think, yeah, it can be very dangerous. Um, but I'll just, I guess I'll just start with I I think comparison is the thief of joy. I think when you compare yourself to someone else, it strips you of of the joy that God's given you and who you are. And for me, I shared a bit about this this morning, but I've been on a bit of a journey where um, I grew up in sort of an unstable or not very secure um, home where um, mum had been through some 
divorces and um, yeah, like I, I sort of at the, towards the end of school, I, I had some things also happen to me that I would never have wished for, but they they make you feel like you're losing control of of your life or of what you feel like you had once had control of. And um, towards the end of school and into my um, 20s, early 20s, I developed like an eating disorder. I just began to eat really, really healthy and I was already really skinny and um, was exercising often like twice a day or running 10Ks and then at night I would go to the gym again and, and eat salads in between and, you know, I never brought like food up but I just ate very, very unhealthily for the amount that I was outputting and um, I thought, oh, I'm okay, I'm not bulimic, so I'm fine, you know, I'm, I'm not anorexic, I still eat things here and there, but it was this mindset that the enemy had got me into thinking that to be thin and to be beautiful is, you know, the thing that you need to attain in life. And, um, yeah, I ended up moving to the Gold Coast and I was in a relationship with a AFL footballer and I was in the world of the wags and the girls who were just, you know, drop-dead supermodels and I felt like, Often they would say things like, oh, how do you stay so fit, Tiff? How do you stay so healthy? It's, it's beautiful, you know. And I was the only one who knew the secret of how and um, it sort of fed my problem, fed the issue. Um, and I guess the turning point for me was, it was such a God thing. I remember booking an appointment at the doctor's for just another side issue and the doctor actually brought it up with me sort of asking about because I was I was really quite gaunt and skinny and I'm tall and I was like like near 15k's like lighter than I am today and he said you know if if you have a habit that you're maintaining you know you, you're probably going to struggle to have kids if you keep this up to if like and I promise I wouldn't cry um but yeah I getting that news I was like no like I want to be a mum like I want to um, I want to raise my kids in the house of the Lord. I don't want my daughters to suffer from... Like, I just want my kids to have an identity that's based on Jesus and I can't do that if I'm not walking it myself. And so it was like this real pivotal, like 180-degree turnaround where I felt like I just started to spend more time in the Word and instead of going for a 10K run, I'd go for a walk on the beach and just spend time with Jesus and remind myself of His promises over my life and that I am fearfully and wonderfully made regardless of how I look and what the world thinks of myself as beautiful or it redefined what I thought beauty was. And um, I said as well this morning that there were a bunch of people that don't know, don't have faith in God and they used to say like, oh, it's such a such a trap that you, f- you fall into and it's such a mindset that can't be broken, like you'll have it forever. And I started to turn to Scripture and just say, no, God, like you're going to renew my mind and I'm going to, um, you know, break this stronghold. And it's to the glory of God today that I, I know I have because I love my food now and I can enjoy it and I probably eat more than Philippe sometimes, sorry. <laughs> um, but it's just brought back this renewed joy and it's that same thing I started with comparisons a thief of joy and Jesus wants us to be living um, with the joy of the Lord in us and um, yeah he's taken me on a on an amazing journey and um, yeah he's just amazing he if you think I guess I'll just 
if you're struggling with anything like that, and I had a couple of chats this morning with some girls afterwards, it's such a, it's such a battlefield of the mind and um, that there's hope and there is breakthrough and that there's people that you can get around you to support you and, and that you are absolutely beautiful in the eyes of God. So stunning. So beautiful. And I, I said this this morning as well, but I think uh, something we've really got to ask ourselves in this whole area is whose opinion matters most? You know, is it God's opinion that matters most about who you are or is it people's opinion? And what the world says or people say is beauty, that's man-made. You know, the Bible says that you are made perfectly. And so often we will look in the mirror. I don't know where the guys do this, but the girls definitely do this. And we'll look in the mirror and go, man, I wish I could change that about myself. Or, man, and we say, like, you know, God, you got that wrong. You know, like, why did you make me like this? Or, and that's simply saying to God, hey, people's opinion of me matters more than your opinion. And I, we've got to keep making sure we come back to, hey, the creator of the universe, the creator of all galaxies, the one that is far above anything that we can possibly do, he says that you are perfect. And he made you perfectly and ideally and beautifully. So we've got to listen to what he says above what anyone else says about us. So make sure we keep coming back to what he says, not what others around us say, or even what we say about ourselves. So I think that's critical. Like his opinion, his truth, his word matters most. And that's what will bring us life. We've got to choose to lean into it and believe it. So. Hundred percent, and I think just something that I pulled from what Tiff said in, in the part of your journey of turning that around was scripture, yeah. and what Pastor Nadia is saying about that idea of what you say about yourself is, you know, the Bible says that there's power of life and death in the tongue, and what what scripture are we speaking out ourselves versus what are the bad things that we're saying about ourselves? Because it should be God's word over ourselves that we're saying that we are beautifully and wonderfully made, that God made us for a purpose, and you know, the more we say that the more life and the more real that is for us and more God gets into our life, which is amazing. It sounds like that was really pivotal for you as well, Tiff. But um, I want to move on to um, Pastor Nadia asking you a great question around raising your kids. And you've got three awesome kids, Zion, Hope, and Easy now. And, and how do you guys instill this um, idea of a healthy identity for them as kids? Yeah, I said this morning, it's like sometimes the identity is too healthy and you've got to, <laughs> especially one daughter in particular, and, uh, you know, you've got to bring the sass back. So it's like this work on constantly. Um, but um, I, yeah, I love the confidence of our kids. But, and we're, we're trying to get it right. You know, I so do not have all the answers. And mum, I'm very aware of that. We're on a journey. So I probably like to look at it from my dad's perspective and how they installed it into us kids. Um, and, you know, they raised five, uh, you know, five amazing, I was about to say amazing kids, and I'm including myself in that. <laughs> but but they, the, all my brothers and sisters are amazing. But, um, and I'm amazing because God says that about me. So there you go. Just, just get the preach back onto me. But, um, you know, I, I love that. I think one thing my dad always did is he would just always speak life over us constantly. Um, and he wasn't, he was from a very... Um, full-on background himself. So he learned from God how to be a father and everything he did. And he would speak life over us always. And remember one thing he would always do is I was a real high achiever. You know, my marks had to be A's. If they weren't A's, I wasn't happy at all. If I got a B plus in something, like the world was over. And uh, I remember he would always say to me, especially when I gave my report card home, he'd say, 
you know what, honey, this is awesome. I've loved the effort that you've put in. But you know what? I'd love you just as much if you came home with an F. No, and everything I did, he would always say to me, I'd love you just as much if you failed that. And I just always knew growing up the sense of unconditional love. I would tell my dad anything. I had no fear whatsoever. I would tell him if I had a bad dream at night. You know, like even as a growing up as a teenage girl, everything was on the table because I just knew there was unconditional love. And I pray that it's the same with our kids, you know, that they feel like they can tell us anything because there's just a sense of unconditional love. Sometimes, yeah, they may, we may disappoint them, but there's always unconditional love. So I think as parents, if we can foster that, that is critical. And I think, um, I think the really important thing is to always watching the words that we say. Like I'm very aware when our kids frustrate us, we can say some things in the heat of the moment that can cause such damage. And even in the heat of the moment, we can choose to speak life. So instead of saying, you know, like, um, you're this in that moment um, that speaks the reality of the situation, we can choose to still speak what we see over them. So classic, and when my kids do something that's not wrong, I'll say, you know, buddy, that is not you. Or hope, that is not you. You are kind. You speak nicely. That's not you to speak like that. So still, even in the moment, it's speaking life. So that's one thing we are working on. And we, you never arrive as parents. You're always working on it. So, oh, it's yeah. so good. And you say, Nadia, that you, know, you have to pull that back a little bit from Hopi, but there's something very evident that you can see in, in Zion and Hope and one day be easy 100%, which is that they know whose they are. And, and as, as your kids, you know, many times, no, but mum said, dad said this, and mum said this. And, you know, there's an element of that that's so healthy because of they know the power that's in their mum and dad, and they know whose they are. And as kids of God as well, we kind of got to have that spirit as well, that when someone comes against us or someone does whatever, it's like, no, but dad said, you know, uh, God said this and God said that, and I'm not going to take what you say. I'm going to say what mum and dad say about me. And uh, I think that's really important as well. Awesome. Uh, you know, we, we do this, um, this kind of preach at youth sometimes around our decisions and, and the decisions we make every day. And, and I always say that in life we make hundreds of decisions every day. You know, we get out of bed, we decide which side of the bed, if you're lucky enough, to get out on. Uh, you know, you decide if you're going to have a shower, if you're going to have a bath. I'm not sure who has a bath in the morning, but uh, you decide whether you're going to have uh, Vegemite on toast or peanut butter on toast. Uh, you decide how you're going to get into the car, what you're going to wear. There's, before you even get to church, there's hundreds of decisions you've already made. And, um, you know, Joe, we make so many decisions in our life that are so pivotal in, in how we live our life. And often they can be influenced by our culture, by our family. Um, you know, and I know that you live with such a strong culture as well. Uh, how do you navigate that? Because there's some things in our families and our cultures and the people that we're around that's positive when it comes to the decisions we make, but then there's some things that can be negative as well. Uh, how have you navigated that in your life? Um, so being, um, my background being Samoan, um, so in the Pacific Island there's many um, different customs that we, we have to go by, and so... Um, I straight up just say, yeah, no, we don't do that because God didn't say that. <laughs> but that's my attitude towards it because if God's my identity, what he says goes. And so um, I sort of get this wrestle with my family as well because they'll say one thing and then I come on another angle saying that it's totally against what our custom is. But I think it's knowing who I am in God is why I go against the grain in that. 
Um, but I guess the first thing for me is understanding that uh, we get to choose who speaks in our lives. And, um, and, but also the, uh, my response to things. So if um, making sure that my heart's in a good place when I respond um, because of you know, what we do, what we think, and what, um, um, what we go about and, and our answers is that um, if it's not right, it's, it's not healthy. And so that's my time that I need to go back with God and um, wrestle with him that, no, nah, I'm right. <laughs> but just to seek him, seek the answers through him. Um, and it's a lot of, and I do have a lot of challenging times because, um, because I've been in, um, I've still been raised in my culture of how certain things are. Um, but then sometimes uh, for me, it's uh, when I'm spending time with God, like it's, it's sort of against my, my custom and culture and that. And so it's a real fine balance as well too. But at the end of the day, it's God's words over anything. That's, yeah, that's my answer so like from what, what I said from the beginning it's um, yeah God said no so we can't do it <laughs> but it's not like that but it's you know like it's just understanding who you are and that um, it's God's word over everything um, that goes through so yeah it's awesome man. Yeah. yeah I might just add to that with um, like pressure that comes I guess from people generally God we've got to remember that God also speaks through people and that the church and the body of Christ is actually God's main vessel for speaking to us on earth. And I think it's important to, it takes real discernment, like you said, it takes, um, as a fine balance between discerning the voice of God in people and, and the voice that might distract in people. And I think sometimes if you've got the people around you in your world that you've entrusted to speak into your life, I know we've got a chosen few and we just say like, you know, we trust what you're going to say and say it. And then you take it to God and you discern it. But I also think that um, it's important also to, um, I guess, bring it all back to the cross. Like when, when you're filtering... I had something else I wanted to say. I've forgotten. Um, uh, oh, that's right. I was going to say, when people... When you, if, you, if you're in a place where you feel pressured, I guess, from what people have spoken to you, it's filtering the spirit behind what's spoken. And, and if it's pressure, I guess because we all have the spirit of God living in us, we can discern whether um, it's this, a spirit of conviction or a spirit of pressure. And God's spirit is one that liberates when it convicts. And pressure is something that's usually something that brings condemnation and you feel like uh, you can discern when it's the spirit of God and when it's liberating and when it's going to bring freedom or whether it's going to quash you um so that's what I'll add awesome that's so good and I just want to add that when we uh obviously like Joe talks about how there's customs in his family where he says well God doesn't say it so I'm not going to do it um I know that Joe would go not necessarily say that straight up to his family but there's an element of there's still a mission field in your family and you don't want to close those doors by being so abrupt because of what you believe. So it's, it's about navigating that in a smart way for the person that you're talking to uh, to make sure that that door's always open if they ever want to ask about God to you and ask about what you believe, but that you're strong in your conviction. And there's a gracious way to be strong in your conviction, and I think that makes all the difference. And often situations are complicated too. So we can't take a blanket rule and say, hey, that works for every situation. That's where what Tiff was saying before. We need others, people around us with wisdom to help navigate through that stuff as well so yeah, it's true all right Danny uh, in this generation today our feelings are given so much weight 
How do you make sure your feelings don't influence your identity and how you see yourself? Oh, massive question. Um, so, like, relevant to our time and our day and our era. Um, but I think, like, for me, even before I answer that question, like, I've been on a massive journey in my life to learn how to manage my emotions properly. And I haven't got that down pat yet. Um, come to the construction site and you, you'll see, you know, not a different side of me, but there's realities in, in the pressure and stuff where... Yeah. You know, there's times where you're not perfect and there's times where you don't get it all right. Yeah. But I've learned in, in this journey with God that he's teaching me not to react in situations but to respond because that's how, that's how God does things. And, yeah. and so, I, yeah, that's, that's sort of been a weakness in my life. And um, I think, like, we all have weaknesses in our life and it's good to identify them, to know them and to work out how we can actually learn to manage them. So when it comes to our emotions... Um, Right now in, in the day and era that we live in, we're told that we are what we feel and so your feelings then should dictate your choices. Where God's way, and, and the Bible's very clear about this, is that we're to lead our emotions to a healthy place. So we make the choices based on what's right. We make the choices based on God's leading and I believe our emotions follow that. Our emotions come into line with that. So just because you're angry doesn't need, mean you need to say... X, Y, and Z. Yeah. It means, like Pastor Nadia was saying before, even in the realm of being a parent, which I don't know that, that reality yet, but it means that you can respond in that reality, say a different set of words, and your emotions will then come into line with that. Um, but I think it also translates into so many different areas right now in our, in our lives and in our worlds. And um, I think one of the biggest lies that we need to be careful that we don't fall into is that we become empowered and liberated when we follow our feelings. And it's a lie that may give you pleasure in a moment, um, but it's only going to lead to destruction. And so the Bible is clear that when we, when we live in, in, the, in the passions of our lusts, that it's going to lead to a place of emptiness. But there's a way that God has made which is, is different and it's based on choosing what's right, not in the, in the reality of our feelings, but in the reality of his word. And it leads to true fulfillment. It leads to a real healthy lifestyle, healthy relationships, and it leads to a place of true liberation where we're not yeah. controlled by feeling, emotion, or any opinion, but we're led by the Spirit of God and, and by His ways. So, yeah. So good. And I think um, a lot of the time our emotions are actually there as an indicator of, uh, of our health too, of our mental health. You know, so often when I find like, oh, I'm just in a yucky space or negative space, it's like a time to actually step back and go, okay, what am I thinking about? What am I dwelling on here? Because that is feeding my emotions. Our emotions just come out of what we're dwelling on. So it's a time of reflection going, hey, I need to change what I'm thinking. I need to change what I'm dwelling on. And as I change what I'm dwelling on, the emotions come after that. Emotions always come secondary to what we're thinking about. So the question has got to be, are we mastering our emotions or are they mastering us? Just because we feel something doesn't give it doesn't mean it's all powerful. Yeah. You know, emotions can feel so powerful, but they're actually not. They're just simply a byproduct of what we're thinking. Yeah. So yeah. get our thinking in order and it gets our emotions in order. So, yeah, so good. And, and if you've been in church for a little while, or maybe you haven't, but you, you probably heard this statement before that you're God's son or you're God's daughter. And Pastor Nadia, as we come to a close, uh, I just want to ask you the question, how do, we, how do we make that statement that we're God's son or we're God's daughter 
to take it from a head knowledge to a heart knowledge, to, to, to let it drop from something we just hear to something we actually believe and walk out every day. Yeah, totally. Well, anything that we internalise is simply what's on repeat in our head. It's, you know, the script that's on repeat in our head just dropping to our heart. And so if there is stuff in us internally that we're like, you know, I've got to rewire that. I don't see myself as God's child. I don't see myself as his son and daughter. Then we've got to get the script that's going on the inside of this changed. And I had a sense today when I was praying for today, I had a sense that um, God just wanting to like bring that light to, to people and say, hey, there's a script that's been on repeat too long wow. that's feeding your soul in a negative way, and it's time to change the playlist. You know, we have our, our playlist that we set on our iPods, whatever, our phones, whatever it is, Spotify. We, we set those playlists based on what we want to listen to, what we want to feed ourselves. And it has to be the same with our thinking. We've got to change the script that's just been going over and over. And when it comes to our identity, first and foremost, what's going to build a healthy identity is knowing whose we are. So it's knowing that you are his, knowing you're his son, knowing you're his daughter. And knowing simply comes out of what we believe. And so we believe what we tell ourselves. So it's changing this. And I I know just as we come to a close as well, that we can have so many uh, negative thoughts, negative scripts going on in our head, even about who God is who we think he is. It can come from our parents. It can come from maybe our cultural background. It can come from school, university, whatever it is. We can have these wrong things in our heads, even church experiences, wrong things going on repeat in our head about who God is. God doesn't really care that much. God's just there as this judge, as this ruler. He's there to dominate me. He's there to, um, he's there waiting for me to get things wrong. And, and I just want to challenge us tonight when it comes to God, what are we believing about him? Well, what's the script that's just been going over that's actually being internalised and it affects how you relate to Him? Because, man, He's a God, his, his Word says, the Bible says He's a God of love. He's a God that would do anything for you. Come on, He sent His Son Jesus for you to die for you. Come on, He adores you. He has done everything possible for you to run to Him and find our identity in Him. this podcast from life if you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message visit lifeau.org